Welcome to the Wealth and Wellness Podcast with me, Kaylee Boisvert. I specialize in helping people to achieve their financial goals. I have a love for all things numbers, and I am passionate about financial literacy. My goal is to spark healthy and positive conversations around wealth and investment and create a world where nobody is limited by their financial situation. But wealth is just one piece in the equation of living our best lives. So join me as we explore both wealth and wellness topics. From your net worth to your self-worth, get ready to take confident action. Hello, this is Kaylee, and thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Wellness Podcast. Today, we are joined by special guest, Leah Diddlejan. Leah embodies the roles of thought leader, facilitator, and coach. Above all, she is a gifted natural conduit, connecting people and creating mutually beneficial and lasting bonds between them. She has collaborated with thousands of entrepreneurs around the globe to elevate their loving connection to themselves and to become better leaders in their homes, businesses, and communities. So thank you so much for being here today, Leah. I'm excited to have you on the podcast and for this topic. I think it's very relevant with everything that's gone on with COVID and lockdown and things like that. We're talking about, um, you know, lonely um, versus being alone um, and kind of differentiating between the two and, and talking about belonging and connection. So thank you so much for being here. Um, to get started, can you just tell the listeners a little bit about your journey and what brought you to do this work that you do today? Sure. Thanks, Kaylee. I'm excited to be here because this topic is something I'm so passionate about because I felt alone and lonely many times in my life. And there's been so many examples and circumstances where I just didn't feel confident or safe to actually share that with anybody. And I found that the world finds that we need to be stronger, we need to hide things, and we just need to show up and be positive all the time. And it's not human to be positive all the time. We need to be able to lean into our pain. We need to be able to lean into some negativity and just flow with whatever's coming up in us. And so I've been really inspired by this topic, not only this past year, as isolation is something that we've never really experienced in this way before, but how does self-distancing actually numb and affect the way that we're showing up for ourselves and other people? And how does that take us away from a social distance and not want to actually share what our emotions are. So this is kind of the inspiration based on my own personal journey, as well as observations I'm seeing in the planet right now. Yeah. I love that. You're right. It is so relevant right now. It's because like you said, we haven't experienced anything like this. Um, and we are, yeah, we, we need, you know, humans and connection is a big part of our lives and what we need. So um, it's definitely obviously, you know, changed that for us. Um, and you talked about like in your kind of bio and what you sent to me um, about your own story about belonging and creating connection. So do you want to get into a little bit of that, like what you personally went through um, that maybe kind of sparked your passion too? Yeah, absolutely. So 
Growing up, I had a very stable upbringing. My parents are still together. They live in the same house that I was brought home from in the hospital, and they've been married for over 38 years. And so I had a really strong foundation of security and connection. And my sister and my brother are still my best friends. And that was just such a unique experience as I understood it. But I didn't, of course, understand it then because I started to understand what divorce was. And one of my close friends told me in 1993, my parents are getting divorced. And all of a sudden I wanted that because he had two moms and two dads and two houses and another brother and another sister and two dogs. And so looking back on that experience, of course, I wanted more. And as I grew up, I realized that wanting more by looking outside of what I had really reinforced this place of lack and this place of scarcity. And so external validation became such a motivation for me. And that created more loneliness. And I distanced myself even more from myself and other people because I was in this comparative mindset. Yeah. I love that. Um, yeah, that comparison is a big one. And, um, what would you say for even like the idea of, cause you had, you know, obviously that strong family and you were still like, Oh, it could be more, it could be something else. Um, what would you say for then, you know, people that are in a relationship and, and feel alone? Like, what is, what is that? Like people, sometimes you can be surrounded by people. You could be a mom and you have your kids nearby or, um, you know, you have your husband or wife or, um, but sometimes you can still feel alone. Like, what do you find, you know, where does that come from? That feeling of alone, aloneness still in a situation where outside people would be like, well, you're not alone at all. Hmm. I think a great example of being completely alone and surrounded by people is the airplane experience. We're jammed in like a herd of cattle if we're in economy class and we're so close to everybody, yet it's such a lonely feeling and it's very contradicting and counterintuitive. And so whether we're surrounded by kids or parents or anybody, family members, what is the depth and the level of connection in our conversation? What And that's where I like to think of, you know, when I'm feeling alone or lonely and doing a little audit on the different types of intimacy is such a great tool for me to understand like, okay, so yes, I'm surrounded by people, but what's the type of connection I actually crave? Am I looking for emotional intimacy? Are there feelings I need to process and talk out loud about? Am I needing to be vulnerable and courageous in the way that I share something because I'm an external processor? Um, or do I just need to feel loved by somebody right now and I just need to be open to receive it and maybe have the courage to say that I need that and I'm going to ask for it? Um, the other one is intellectual intimacy. I mean, this is why Clubhouse and other apps have blown up. It's because we need to have these like expansive external conversations that sometimes with the people that we enjoy Thanksgiving dinner with um, do not have the same interests to get to the edge of their intellectual map. So there's that one. And then experiential intimacy. I mean, without travel, that's kind of the number one thing. We punctuate our lives with our trips. But if we don't have experiential intimacy, what are other ways we're creating connection and sharing an experience together with real intention and mindfulness? 
And then of course there's the physical intimacy. And so that one is great, especially with kids. And that's why so many people have bought pets lately is because we just need to hug something and pet something. I go out and hug trees on a regular basis because I live alone. Yeah, I know I was, well, we had a, a podcast um, and the woman was talking about grounding ourselves and hugging trees. So I was on a walk with Ivy the other day and I was like, go hug that tree. And she did. So cute. So cute. It makes such a difference. I know. I was like, it is that getting out there. Well, that's interesting. So those are the different types of intimacy then, like what you listed, where did you list them all right then? Was that, is there any other ones? There might be some other ones. Those are the four that I kind of check in with myself on if I'm feeling like I need connection. Is there like, is there people that like, I'm thinking of kind of comparing it to like love languages. Is there types of that intimacy then that are more important for some people? Like, is there people that kind of rank, okay, I need more emotional intimacy um, and, you know, physical is further down or something like that. Like, does it, does the ordering differ for people on how the prioritizing those? I guess it might just be circumstantial based on where people are at. I mean, physical intimacy might be heightened for people that are living alone and or have just quarantined for two weeks or something. That physical intimacy might be really high. If somebody is building a business or something, their intellectual intimacy might be very stimulated. And so they might just need to kind of come down from that. So I think it just depends on where we are and who we're surrounded with. Okay. Is there like a good way then to tap into, cause it's a very interesting kind of discovery. Like as you're saying that I'm like, my mind is kind of open to, Oh, what, what kind of forms do I need more of? Or yeah. Where is that, you know, lacking in my life? So I guess it's that awareness piece. Like how do we become aware if we're feeling alone you know, what, how do we become aware of which one of those maybe that we really need in that moment? Mm, So like common phrases that might identify what do we need right now from a connection standpoint might be like, I need a drink. What does that drink actually mean for you? What is the significance? Is this a celebration? Do you need more like physical presence for other people to cheers? And do you have like an eye to eye, shoulder to shoulder conversation with somebody? Is I need a drink because, whoa, I'm going through a lot of stuff right now and I just need a drink to like get through this. That's an indicator that we probably need emotional intimacy. And so the drink's actually numbing it. So it's countering the very need that we have which is extremely high in popularity as a mechanism for coping right now. Um, You know, and then physical intimacy, like what, what if we are just seeing people and we're not part of conversations or we're just seeing all these happy families or we're trying to have a baby and we see all these babies all of a sudden, you know, what are the outlets to have emotional intimacy so that we can feel more of those kinds of types of connections I think that's really huge. The alcohol one is massive right now though. Like there's 90% burnout or something on our planet right now. And a big part of it is we're not allowing our feelings to come through and we're numbing them through drinking because alcohol sales have gone up by like 50%. Oh my gosh. Yeah. But you're right. It's that like maybe also, yeah, it's the feelings and the emotions. And then the, like you talked about going, what was the, type when it's about going on trips and like adventures and things like that. Which one was that? 
so experiential. Yeah. Cause we're not having that either. So I think it's also like maybe boredom, but you shouldn't drink when you're bored. <laughs> yeah, that's like, right? like, why am I bored? What do yeah. what stimulation do I need? Do I need like a good conversation? Yeah. Yeah. Any other big challenges you see for people right now in this conversation of what, what people are going through, um, with isolation and things like that? Yeah, I, um, I'm feeling a lot of compassion for people that are scared of doing the inner work that are scared of looking inside and healing themselves and untangling emotions and dealing with any childhood things. And this doesn't have to be traumas. It can just be not receiving the love that we want. It can be not expressing our needs and instead just playing whack-a-mole and shoving it down and trying to proceed forward by being a workaholic and just being so all in in our work and our productivity that our self-worth is attached to it. And so it's, it's a massive amount of suffering because when we're finally forced to look inside the box and there's so much resistance, it's actually halting the level of consciousness in, on our planet right now. Yeah. Yeah. So doing the inner work, what would you say then for people that are, cause I think that's so big, but like you said, it's opening the box and then, like, then it might be a little bit frightening for when we haven't, and we've let it go this long. You're just like, whoa, like there's almost like elements in every aspect of your life that you need to do some reflection or work on. So where, you know, if people are having that and almost like overwhelmed by it, what would you suggest as just kind of a way to ease into it? Yeah, that's a great question. I guess there's a couple different ways. One way that I don't know if you work with clients on this or not, but paying attention to what emotions come up when we buy things. And just being like, how do I feel when I'm making this purchase? If there's a sense of like remorse or regret or guilt or anything like that, dig into where that story's coming from to help to understand a little bit more. And then literally tracking maybe over a week, like what are my purchases? How are they making me feel? And then that can kind of get us out of it. Another great way is when we're doing like that mindless scroll if we feel triggered or sense of envy or jealousy or anything like that, there's a story there because that doesn't mean everybody has the same trigger that we do. And triggers are 90% ours and 10% the other person because it's a lesson we need to learn. So those are great ways to do it. And then a final step in there is like, if we're doing that mindless scroll, clearing all the stuff that doesn't make us feel good because everything we're ingesting our brain is processing super quickly whether we realize consciously or not and so making it as positive and expansive as possible versus shallow and comparative yeah I know that's a big part of what I've had to shift because at the beginning of this it was so I was so focused on the news and everything that was coming out and um my whole mood, I'd just be, you know, upset or in a negative mood or feeling anxious or stressed. And I didn't know why, because nothing had occurred in my day to make me feel that way. But I realized it was what I was taking in as far as the information and knowing that and having to stop. And even with my like um, TV or Netflix Netflix consumption, like I'm so sensitive now, or I'm, I'm aware of, okay, this stuff actually, like when I watch a scary movie and stuff, it it actually really affects me. So maybe I shouldn't be doing that. Um, so it is that like, 
yeah, just being really mindful of how you're feeling. I love that, especially the scrolling. So, you know, we're on social media all the time. And sometimes it's, if your phone's in your hand, you're just on there. You don't even realize how you got there and um, you're scrolling through and there are those moments where you're feeling, feelings are coming up. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. So just being aware, aware of what it is, because it's probably telling you something. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And even journaling about what we just took in. It's a great way to be even more mindful. It feels weird journaling about social media intake, but it also helps like, okay, how long was I just on here for? What did I feel? And what did I actually learn? Okay. In that 45 minutes, that was pretty lame. I could use my time in some other way for sure. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Being more mindful. I know. Cause I'm, I was listening to a, I think it was an audio book and he was talking about um, aligning, yeah, your time with your values. So if you find yourself saying like, you know, I love being creative, but you're spending zero hours in a day on creativity, right? If you're just, okay, working, you know, doing things with your kids, whatever. And then end of the day comes, you're exhausted and that's it. Well, if you're saying like, I love being creative and having these creative outlets, but you're giving yourself no time for it. You're not in alignment with with doing the things you love. And so, yeah, being mindful. Exactly. If you're scrolling, you could put that time to better use. If you're finding those feelings are coming up. Um, what about, um, how, how can this impact our energy? That's another one I like to kind of dig into is just our energy level. Cause you said the burnout is happening too, and we're burnt out. And, um, I, in some ways you might think, oh, we're working from home. We're saving commute, things like that. Um, we have more time maybe, but, but we are experiencing burnout. So what, how does this all impact our energy or how can we look at it from the energetic perspective too? Good question. So for me, um, I'm really conscientious of my energy around the seasons. We have like an inner and an outer season and sometimes it's aligned and sometimes it isn't. And if we were to ask the majority of the Northern hemisphere anyways, what's your favorite season? When do you feel the most alive? Most people are going to say summer, maybe spring. Right. And we, majority of people are going to say that because we don't have a relationship with stillness and rest. We think rest and stillness is low productivity, it's laziness, and it's extremely devalued in our culture. And in fact, if we look at nature for inspiration in this way, how does nature manage its energy? Well, it goes from full bloom and expansive childlike glee in the summer to letting go, exfoliating stuff that doesn't belong anymore in the fall, literally, to winter where it's completely hibernating and just there's just a gestation period of restoration, of just stillness and slowness. And so we in Alberta and BC and stuff, we'll go skiing, we'll go ice skating, and we just kind of like replace the activities so there's more. But really this past winter, um, I spent 12 days totally alone by myself. I didn't see anybody over Christmas. I was completely alone, but not lonely at all. I was in nature a ton. I was journaling a ton, writing, and I was just really reflecting on my year and being so mindful of how 2020 really emphasized my need to be the strongest person I am. And so by using the seasons for inspiration for how we can manage our energy, I find we really give rest the respect that it needs. And we don't kind of shove it down and just say that's laziness. And rest is not watching Netflix. 
rest isn't like having a glass of wine, eating Cheetos and scrolling. Like rest is actually like, what are we doing to just reflect? Because we don't learn from our experiences. We learn from reflecting on them. And so how are we using that to actually energize ourselves? What's that white space? Yeah, I love that. And meditation too is a good one for that. Absolutely. I love it. I'm making sure I meditate every day now, like as in like I have to, it's my have to do and it's making such a difference. Yeah. Um, how can you, so you said you spent that, you know, that time frame around Christmas completely alone, but you didn't feel lonely. How can people get in that state then? Like how can we optimize that alone time um, and make sure it is that productive um, alone time and, and not feeling lonely that it is beneficial. Mm. I, um, I used to hate being alone. I used to be terrified of alone time and I had no idea why I very, very social, but my calendar used to be packed, packed, packed. And it wasn't until I started doing the work that I realized vulnerability is courage. Thanks Brene Brown. And uh, there's no other way to finish that sentence. And so I was so great at receiving other people's stuff, but I wasn't so great at giving it back. And so I needed to just really get into my journaling practice, just dump everything out of my head and create space for creativity, for productive thought, for the, you know, the gold that I meant to create. That's my soul's blueprint. And for me, journaling is where it started. Connection with nature is so huge. And when I say connection with nature, like I don't bring my phone I don't have my AirPods in. I'm just out there listening and breathing and stuff like that. And we've become so disconnected from nature. I think that's the easiest way to just reconnect with ourselves and be alone, but not lonely because nature is the most unconditional love that's consistent that we can really get. I love that. I've been taking my meditations outside and I meditate on the grass now. I love it. That's so great. I have like nothing yet. So I'm sitting there on my backyard and it's kind of like a chain link fence. So I'm sure there's people, cause it's just, there's nothing in, it's all just like field, but there's a path. So, I mean, I'm sure people are walking by wondering, you know, what is this girl doing on a, a bright towel on her lawn? But that is my meditation blanket. And <laughs> well, not only that, but like the Alberta skies are so expansive. So I imagine that energy is just phenomenal for being out there, especially where you live. So yeah, it's beautiful. And then it does get you into that more of an awareness of nature. Like I'm starting to spot it more when I see, you know, the sun or the moon coming out or a field full of cows or something like that, that I'm, I'm more aware of those things before. It's just like you go about your business, your do you thing, and you're not even seeing what's around us. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. And that might and paying attention like you are with the cows and things that you maybe wouldn't notice like to me that's living like a really rich life is just finding joy in things so that it elevates my mood elevates my energy and I'm like oh I just feel so rich yeah absolutely we are very lucky absolutely um what about for people in careers um I'm thinking like very entrepreneurial roles or even when you're working from home or in leadership roles, like the idea of it can be lonely at the top. What would you have to say for people in those positions? Um, and it sounds like you've worked with a lot of entrepreneurs as well, and probably people in those leadership positions. Sometimes it doesn't feel like 
there's people you can talk to because it's, you're also in this role where you have to put out this, you know, uh, leadership. I got this, you know, there is no weakness here and I, I'm, I got it all under control. So it's hard to be vulnerable, I think, in those positions sometimes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And society has trained us that we aren't supposed to show weakness if we are at the top because it's a hierarchy and it's a power play. Well, all of that old world energy is crumbling. And so there's no space for it now. It's becoming a we world. And I think a great way to kind of practice this and, and lean into getting away from the loneliness is leading with our soul, not our role. So we're not meeting a ton of people on a daily basis on zoom we are and there's a ton of networking opportunities so what if instead of saying hey i'm leah i'm an executive coach i say hey i'm leah and i want to help leaders heal themselves by understanding their story and their purpose so that they can show up more for their loved ones and their companies and really give back to their communities oh how do you do that? It just changes the game of depth of conversation, of curiosity. And it also takes away our need to have an identity attached to our role. Because what happens if we go bankrupt? What happens if we get fired? We have a massive identity crisis. We lead more with our purpose, and what our soul wants us to do instead of our role. We're gonna show up with a more wholehearted view of ourselves and our life. I love that. So it's almost like I think of then, even if you are these networking events and things like that, showing up as more with more authenticity, um, which actually it kind of seems a bit scary. <laughs> what would you suggest? Because now I'm thinking, yeah, well, we go to those networking rooms and we are just like, I am a financial advisor, blah, 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 blah. And the person says that. And it's almost like we're just talking at each other. And it's and then it's like, okay, bye. And it ends there. But, you know, we can't create that deep questioning of, oh, what does that mean? And why? Because we're not actually giving each other the material to dig deeper. So I guess it starts with us, but how do we maybe some ideas or strategies? Yeah, for sure. That's a great example. And it is scary because it's not the way that we've traditionally done things and the way that we've traditionally done things, it puts us into a box. I'm a financial advisor. Oh, so then I replay the story of all the financial advisors I've met and, oh, I get what you do. I don't have any curiosity there. I know. Right. So ego's leading instead of I help people lead a richer, wealthier life. Oh my God. How do you do that? I'm very interested in that. How do you do that? What's the unique way you do that, Kaylee? Right. And then eventually, oh, I do it by financial, um, financial advising instead of leading with that. So there's other questions that come up and that's the same for me. Like there's so many coaches out there right now. And so if I just say I'm an executive coach, people be like, oh, okay. <laughs> right. There's nothing else to say. Like, oh, cool. Amazing. You know, somebody might be like, how'd you get into that? Mm -hmm. right. But it almost about what's the next question to be asked than it is about like listening and connection. Yeah. It's almost that it does start with us and finding ways to share more of ourselves. So be more open to give people the opportunity. So that connection, interesting how it, you know, it's not about external or what we're like, okay, connect, connect with me. It's more, how do I make myself, you know, available to, to really foster this connection Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. exactly. What about, I was talking to, so my, we were at, I was at the park with Ivy and she was playing with her friend and I talked to her friend's mom and we were just talking about 
the concept of just as being adults, it's kind of, it's harder to make friends. Like kids can just go up to another kid on the park and they'll just say, want to be my friend. And then they just start playing and they're friends just like that. But as adults, it's almost like we we've given ourselves this rule or we think, well, we can't make friends now. It's, you know, they have to be ones from our childhood or something like that. How do we, yeah, that establishing connections, um, in our adult years, it seems like a bit harder to do, or there's, I don't know, some sort of blocks I feel like. Mm -hmm. That's so true. I mean, I think taking a chapter from our kids is so important because they're doing it because they see another human and they recognize that as common ground. Whereas we see it as potential like rejection, potential, um, you know, what's, what's the commonality? I don't know. And ego just takes over and creates this block. And so I think a great way to do that is, you know, in North America, I think it's pretty transactional. How we'll be like, how are you? Everyone says good. And then we continue the conversation, right? Mm-hmm. In Germany and the Netherlands, they don't even say, how are you? Because they think it's just ridiculous because obviously no one cares. So why are we doing that? So if we actually take advantage and leverage it as a connection point and someone says, how are you? And we aren't doing great. What if we lean into that, but lean into it with emotion, not from a sense of complaining. So for example, I'm having kind of a weird day to day. Like I can tell there's things that I need to cleanse for myself, full moon, whatever. And so if somebody, if somebody hasn't asked me yet, but if somebody was like, how are you, Leah? I'd be like, you know what? I can tell I'm in a place of processing right now. I've just had exponential growth and I think I'm just coming down from it. So there's some negativity that's coming out. Hmm. Like that might be a lot more curiosity than just like, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cause we have to, okay. So inviting that. So yeah, being open to that. And if, I mean, if someone doesn't want to engage, then they'll just be like, Oh, okay. <laughs> but if they do, it gives them more to engage on. Cause we have to, I think we have to, yeah, provide them with something too. It's like a two-way street. Exactly. Just like the little kids saying, Hey, want to be my new friend? This is our way of saying here, I'm creating an invitation and a bid for connection by being courageous and honest. And what, and then it's up to that other person, whether they do or not. And it's not personal. They just might not be where we're at yet. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love it. Um, any other ideas for tips on fostering that greater awareness for connecting with others, connecting with ourselves, connecting with nature? Yeah, I think the biggest thing in order to do any of these things, we have to check in with ourselves first thing before checking in with our world. Because we can't answer how we're actually doing if we haven't reflected on that when we wake up. So what is that first practice? You're into meditation every single day now, but how are we checking in with ourselves so then we can have confidence and even just awareness and how to show up for others so that we can be open to their bid for connection, potentially for a new friendship or a new client or whatever it is. Okay. So putting ourselves first, we have to make sure that we're all, we're good. We know where we're at. Love that. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about your mind spa movement? Yeah, for sure. So Mind Spawn Movement has been inspired because after traveling so many places around the world and seeing these really successful, inspiring entrepreneurs lead mostly from their heart, um, it, it, it just became apparent that they were creating a state of belonging for others, but who's doing it for them? Where is a safe place for them to open up? So through different types of revolutionary connection and facilitated conversation and retreats and all these things, a mind spa movement has become like adult friendship opportunities 
where we're having retreats and sleepovers and delicious food and wine on the ocean and reflecting on who we are and who we want to be. And so on a monthly basis, we'll get together for calls and stuff like that. And yeah, it's growing quite rapidly because like you said earlier, it's hard to make friends. But when we're finding the right people that have the same kind of lighthearted interests and want to do this healing, it's really contagious. I love that. What have you had to do to shift kind of during COVID then? Is it just online mostly some of the meetings that you're doing or? Yeah, it's mostly, I've been online for about, 13 years anyways. So for me, it's been kind of the same, same, just inviting other people to get more comfortable with sharing online. And yeah, I've found it's just been great for consistency, for energizing conversation and people meeting others that they wouldn't have otherwise met and feeling safe to kind of open up about what, what their world looks like and feels like. Yeah. It's just amazing how this has opened um, up. Yeah. You think that, okay, as far as friends or people you have to meet, it has to be in your community. Um, And then um, if there's not those, those people in your community, then it feels like, yeah, well, who are my people or how can I find these people? But with COVID um, it has opened up sort of the borders or boundaries. And um, yeah, like even on this call, we don't live in the same city and we're able to still connect and have this conversation. And I'm having people from all over the world on my podcast and at my presentation. So I think it's a nice um, way, a nice change to have opened our mind that there's not these boundaries and barriers either that our people can be across the world. And, and that's pretty cool too. Yeah, it's incredible because we're all human. We all have the same emotions. It doesn't matter where we're located ge- geographically at all. Totally. No, no. Um, Anything else before we wrap up that you want to leave listeners with, or maybe that we didn't cover that you'd want to quickly chat about? Sure. So we all have, whether it's Apple or a cell phone or whatnot, and notice how it's called the home screen. And what I think is changing our, has changed our world because of that is because we've created home within like six inches to a foot of ourselves instead of six inches to a foot within ourselves. And so we're looking for connection outside of ourselves, but connected to us all the time. So how can we actually create that belonging within ourselves by replacing the phone with pen and paper, with meditation, and just looking within and creating like our own home screen that is just for us to fill us without having to look outside all the time. And I think when we, when more people start doing this inner work and looking inside, our planet's really going to heal. That's going to be a very positive place to live. I love it. I love that. Yeah. And thinking of it, our phone will be a reminder then too, to think about it as like, "Hmm, how's my home screen doing? Do I need some checking in? I love that. So that reminder starts with us. Um, so if you are feeling that way, it is kind of, it sounds like the work or what needs to happen is a going within. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Love it. How can listeners find you, get in contact with you? What's the best way? Uh, they can check me out on my website at mindspamovement.com or on Instagram, mindspa.movement. And yeah, answer any questions especially if they're looking to dive into their inner journey or something like that it can be pretty daunting and scary so happy to be a guy 
I love it. Yes. We don't have to do it alone as we're finding out on this call that we're, we're connected. There's lots of people there to support. And I'm of a belief that we need to be utilizing these things in our lives. Like I have my, my writing coach, my life coach, like I'm all about um, making sure that I have those supports. Um, because sometimes you do need that outside perspective. Um, I'll include that in the show notes as well. Thank you so much, Leah. I've loved this conversation. I love it. My pleasure. Thank you, Kaylee. Thanks for being on. All right. And we will catch you all next time. Thank you so much. I hope you found value in this episode. And because I'm such a proponent of taking confident action, I want to pose a question to you, the listener. What is one action that you feel inspired to take after listening to today's episode? If you enjoyed listening, please subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you so much, and I will catch you next time.